and it's it's this acceptance that of these all these rituals, all these everyday um, uh, tasks that you go through, that they are what they are, because that's just part of life. You are listening to the Pretzel Podcast from Creative Mornings Munich. I am your host, Marco Lindgren. We at Creative Mornings Munich organize monthly breakfast talks covering inspiring topics in the creative community and life in general. This podcast brings creative inspiration and the stories of our speakers closer to you in your ears. Our guest today talked about the theme tradition in the Creative Mornings Munich event in December 2018. The event was hosted by The Deep Bench. To see the talk, visit our show notes, thepretzelpodcast.com. He has held multiple international design leadership roles and combined an industrial design education with an MBA. After working and living for 10 years in New York, and another 10 years in Tokyo, he is now leading his own design and innovation consultancy here in Munich. He is Philip Refior. Tradition is the building blocks of culture, you know, and traditions are the actions, uh, interactions, the rituals that we have in our cultures to form culture. And obviously traditions help us to to formalize things, they help us to basically reduce the cognitive load when we think about things, because if we do things because it's a tradition, we don't have to every time challenge it in our head, we just do it. Um, so it's kind of the, the automated, if you want, the automated building plan that we have in our heads um, for our cultures. And the reason why I was interested in it is um, what it means to me specifically due to my background, I'm having lived abroad for quite a long time. I'm very interested in how culture influences um, innovation or um, innovation is a, is sometimes, you know, this buzzword, but it's more the openness to change and, and in a society and how these play together. And I um, really am fascinated by the subject and on first hand observe that there's a big uh, correlation or a big, you know, connection between these two topics. And that's why I was very excited to be able to speak about that. You already mentioned that, that kind of a individual uh, level of tradition, but you also talked about social level of tradition. Uh, right. What would you say about that? So, yeah, I, I, if, um, if I remember correctly, I did focus mainly on, on the social level, right? Traditions that you have in a society um, that, that kind of bind together the society and uh, uh, keep it together. So uh, that's actually um, what I, I've been talking about the most. And I, I talked about it um, based on my background. I, I've lived in the US for 10 years, uh, as well as in Japan for 10 years. And obviously, I am German and grew up here and now live here again. So it, for me, it's always these three kind of uh, cornerstones uh, where I, um, you know, get my or where I were interested in and have my experiences and compare. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned about the German tradition, and uh, that's uh, efficiency. And then what's an uh, interesting point of view, how it's it could be even like a counter-creative um, a cha- a challenge for this kind of a creative process. Uh, how do you see it now? Well, that was kind of a, I think in my talk, that was kind of a cheesy icebreaker joke to talk about that, that, you know, when you are German and you 
go outside of your country, that's kind of the uh, the first or one, maybe the second after beer and sausages or something that you hear about is efficiency. And um, But what that means to me is, um, and what I learned is that um, we, in Germany, you know, we look at culture and traditions as a very solidified uh, issue. So we think we have a set of traditions and we have a very solidified German culture. And we are very... Um, uh, let's say, you know, if something challenges this solidified set of, uh, of rules and, 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 and traditions, um, we really examine it very closely to see if it's, it's an improvement or if it, it's worth adapting to. So um, if you translate that towards the idea of, of um, uh, you know, innovation or change, it, it makes us a little bit hesitant to everything, to adapt something new because we are, um, I guess you could say quite uh, happy with what we have and what we what we uh, build in this country, and and so everything that comes in new is is, is has to go through a very um, you know filter, a very uh, tough filter of examination and, and um, challenge. Yeah, but I have to say that I I also have met this kind of a engineering mindset versus artistic mindset conflicts elsewhere. It's not not only in Germany. It's uh, it's more like uh, how people maybe see world and how what, what makes them feel comfortable and safe no definitely and you know um, that's so first of all everything you know this is very subjective uh, from my per, uh, point of view and, and being german that's obviously where i uh, put a lot of focus on and i i agree with you that is not the only country that probably um, looks at things that way and and for me interesting was the comparison then with japan which often you know, globally gets in this kind of engineering mindset and, you know, um, evolution instead of revolution. So slowly improve things instead of rethink things um, gets very much compared with Germany, right? Uh, Japan and Germany. And, and that leads us back to really the topic of tradition and, 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 and in, a, in a broader sense culture, because my experience of I lived in Japan for 10 years is that there is a there's a belief baked into the culture that everything is temporary and everything gets replaced. Um, so nothing is eternal. Um, uh, change is part of life. And I, I think in the talk, I used the example of that. Uh, also very, you know, it's a bit of a cliche for uh, for outside of Japan, but this tradition of Hanami, the flower watching. So that's the, the couple of weeks or days uh, around April when uh, the cherry blossoms bloom and basically everybody goes outside and has a little party uh, underneath the cherry trees and and you know from a from a first point of view it's it is you know in what it actually is it's it's a little party with friends or coworkers and you get drunk and eat some good food and you know um it happens to be outside under the cherry tree but um where it really comes from is this idea of of that cherry blossoms that they represent this kind of um uh temporary um, beauty you know something that um that takes time to to come to life has a very short time to be there and then goes away and that's kind of a a philosophy that you see a lot in Japan and in, uh, in different aspects and um, also when you talk about then again you know again from my point of view when you talk about innovation and and design um, the acceptance of of to something new is much bigger um, and and the acceptance to drastic changes in everyday life if it's for some good that you can imagine is much uh, much more there than it, I see it in, in, in Central Europe um, to be there. And I do believe that that has this, you know, 
uh, root in, in this cultural aspect. You also characterize Japan as the uh, uh, the definition of contrast, and related to that, you told the uh, a story of the escalator, which was uh, quite interesting, showing how the uh, uh, ancient tradition, in fact, could have an actual impact in in how people behave nowadays. Well, you know, um, this is kind of anecdotal, and and you know, it's when you are a foreigner and you live in Japan, um, you you often get this. Um, get this reply or get this uh in the conversation that people say oh here we do it different because of our tradition you know japanese tradition is different than um uh, you know uh, than all over the world and and um so it and it's uh, it's absolutely not asian tradition it's very much japanese tradition so they see themselves as you know um as 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 very um different there being an island and being for such a long time really closed off to the rest of the world and one story that i always liked is this idea that you know people there's always like some uh, connection to the past and to, to japanese tradition and it comes up in uh, in conversations and one uh, story that always comes up is this idea of i'm um, on the escalator that in and don't uh I'm not sure if I get this right, but compared to Osaka and compared to uh, Tokyo, uh, on one side you stand on the left and walk on the right, and in the other city it's the opposite. And <laughs> the, the explanation always is that it's out of tradition because one side, uh, one city was more warriors; they had a sword on their side, and the other one is more merchants, which had a bag of money on their side. And on one side you have the sword, and on the other one the, the bag of money. So it, depending what you want to protect. That's the side you stand on. But if you think it through, through, and you know you think about this history, at one point you realize, well, you know that's quite a while ago, and escalators haven't been around for that long. So for me, that's always an example of how everything, even the most modern um, or, or uh, yeah, almost like fashionable uh, things that pop up, get often uh, tied back to, to to culture and and to to the past. Yeah, they have a fascinating story to put them, and then it's also easier to. I mean, we wouldn't be talking about the differences. We are not talking about how people stand on escalators in München, but we talk about how they do it in Osaka and Tokyo because of this story and the connection to the. Uh... Exactly, and you know, I think in, in in the in the sense to tradition and the idea of uh, of the topic of tradition, it it shows how tradition is being kept alive and it's it's still moldable. And again, and you know, this is my subjective opinion, but I do feel sometimes here that is not so much the case. You know, it is, it's a set of, of kind of, um, uh, it's a structure that is made and that is not supposed to be changed unless there's a really, really good reason to do that. Yeah. I, I think that the, also the, the stories themselves renew this connection to traditions. If you don't have those stories, then the tradition sort of uh, flows away with, with time. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a very good point. Yes, I think you know, and you you have to always um, keep the stories alive and, and and make them relevant for for now, for here and now. Yes, I would agree with that. Then you also um, this quote, how you uh, described or crystallized Japanese culture. You said that it's like a grateful acceptance of the banality of life. Um, that's that was uh, my impression. That it's like this very. Um, you know, like um, there isn't the belief that there's something bigger, and you know, it's it's this famous also this um, when you talk about religion, how how there isn't really a, a state religion in Japan, um, and and so it's 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 more that you know life uh, there, 
from from a Western point of view, it feels that life for itself is enough, you know, enough reason to be here, and it's it's this acceptance that of these all these rituals, all these everyday um, uh, tasks that you go through, that they are what they are because that's just part of life without you know trying to 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 challenge it um, or to find, find find like deeper meaning, meaning. exactly yeah. yeah okay and the, but then you spend some time also in the america <laughs> yes. in the united states uh and uh, i think that interesting point you brought up which is uh, i guess it's not, not it's no news but then since they have a, a young sort of a young and um, creative culture and there's new ideas coming up all the time and and uh, and uh, shaping things and but that also means on the other hand that uh the previous things might not never find their fruition or they never come to an end because the next new thing pushes them away i i, I can't say it better so <laughs> yes i i would agree with that 100 percent. so the focus on the now and the young um you know is, is is so obvious um and and it's it's for me it was it was a total shock coming from a german educational system and going to a basically it was an art school but it is nothing you know it's a college um going to college level education in the states where you you see this focus of here and now and you have all these clubs and you have all these discussions and you have you have to take classes on popular culture and on on uh things that that are happening right now and you discuss them and and so it's it is it's you have a feeling that you are part of of molding the culture and 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 uh, i always put this as a contrast to the german um you know like i don't think it's in use anymore but it always made me, made me smile when you uh hear talk people talk about music in germany and they they make a differentiation between the entertainment music and the serious music you know one being jazz and classic music and such and the entertainment music is just you know it's just superficial um here to entertain you but if you go to the states it's, it's the other way around it's right you you can take classes on, on rap music and what the lyrics mean and and how this is relevant to today's society and such and um and and uh, these these analysis are going really deep and 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 are are part of, of of the culture to form something new but on the other on this uh, on the opposite um in, from a western uh, from a from a german or european perspective then sometimes it's you know you, you always jump on the next thing and you let the one before go so from a very german point of view that's obviously you you know how do you get to something perfect to how do you get the chance to really improve quality to to challenge to 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 evolve if you just always change your horse and and then go with the next thing right so i think um, that's that those are the two sides of the metal yeah how can you ever get anything done if you don't finish anything ever and always that new, new thing well, it depends on the depends on the um, definition of one is something finished right um but yeah um i find you know um there's actually i i don't know if i talked about, i don't think i talked about it um in my uh in in this 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 uh, creative morning talk but there are um these uh cultural dimensions there are some you know um social scientists uh, most of them are often they are dutch and that, that that make these kind of have made these models about cultural dimensions you know how countries are different and i always refer to the one of uh, i think it's gerd hofstede and he has this dimension of of um um a long-term orientation and there is you know you have uh, um basically that's 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 not a thing in the us right it's very short term it's very um um it's all about uh, like a, a shorter 
um, view and why you have in countries like Germany and in Japan and most Asian countries in, in, in China, I think it's, it's, it's off the chart, right? It's this long-term, um, uh, long-term thinking and long-term planning um, that, that people are taught by culture to, to, to look at life. Yeah, it's like when, when talking about quarter, so uh, American companies, most companies, a quarter means like three months, but uh, for some family companies, the quarter might mean 25 years, and that's a quarter for them, so that's like a distance between the uh, Right, that's, that's a little bit the, the, how the financial markets are now, you know, they are obviously, that's an American, it's very influenced by the American system, and, and there you have the, um, uh, you have the rules to, if you are a publicly traded company, you have uh, quarterly uh, reviews, and, and so yes, you, you, that really enforces that, right? And while when you are a family-owned company, they, you know, I, they, I, uh, I, I used to work at Panasonic for a while in, in Japan, and, and uh, the founder of uh, Panasonic, uh, Konosuke Matsushita, who also was a very um, well-respected philosopher, um, he had a 120-year plan for the company when he started it. You know, so there you see the, <laughs> the kind of opposite poles of the approach. You talked uh, uh, some about some of the uh, American traditions, and you mentioned that the, the greatest American tradition is small talk, which is uh, <laughs> uh, not necessarily understood so well in in European context, or especially in in Germany. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, this is another pet topic of mine. Um, I think you know diverse societies and and younger societies. Um, rely on small talk because before you really judge the meaning behind a message and, and really, um, you know, uh, think about what the person is saying, you want to understand, first of all, you, you need to understand the person in general. So it's about tone of voice, it's about uh, mannerism and so on. And it's also assuming that you don't have so much shared meaning, maybe, because you come from different cultures. So when I used to live in New York, you know, people come from all over the world. But what everybody has in common is uh, an opinion on the weather, an opinion on food. And, you know, when you wait for the elevator to say that, wow, this is really taking a long time. Um, so it's, it's these things that you, you take the smallest uh, common denominator um, to, to, to have a conversations to, to basically get an opinion about a person, right? But if you come in a very homogeneous, um, or if you live in a very homogeneous society like it is uh, here in, 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 in Germany, then you don't need that, right? Because you assume that everybody has this very um, common shared of values and experiences, and you jump right into, into these um, specifics, which can be, for people who are not used to that, can be very offending, right? Because you feel like, wow, you're basically skipping step one to five and just ask me about things that I'm not willing to talk about before we haven't done the weather talk and we haven't done the, um, uh, the, the food discussions and so on. Funnily, uh, something that uh, came to me, it's similar to this small talk, is similar to the uh, this Hanami, uh, the cherry tree watching, because they both share the similar qualities. Like uh, cherry trees in Japan, they are useless because they don't produce fruit. They just produce this beauty, which then dies off and and so a, a small talk is also useless because it's uh, it doesn't really transmit any real communication or, or information. It's uh, or, or knowledge. It's just like enjoying that moment and, and keeping a sort of a, that a spirit or, or a social um, connection on. 
which brings us back to your starting question, right? And the starting comment about efficiency. So um, it's this uh, it's this deep embedded belief that things have to have a result in the end. And if they don't have a result, they are useless. That's one way of looking at it, right? But you could say the experience was worth it or, um, you know, the, the result, you define a result differently. So, um, so that, that I think that's a, that's a very big factor. And, and you know, when we talk uh, um, about uh, the idea of being innovative or being open to change, then you sometimes have to admit that you do not know what, um, what the result will be or how good it will be, but you have to try, right? So you're open for going down different lanes and, and trying new things without believing yourself that you already can synthesize the outcome and therefore say, good, not good, right? Which I think is, is very well known that humans are horrible in uh, making decisions without having tried something, right? So, but we, we still think we can, can always synthesize, oh, this is not going to work for me. That's not going to work for me. I'm not going to try that, which obviously creates a society that is less open for change and, and innovation than a society that says, well, maybe the experience is worth it. Do you see that, uh, well, it's almost two years uh, since your talk on Gritty Mornings. Uh, do you see there happening any change between then and, and now regarding this kind of uh, uh, acceptance to change or, or Uh, relation to creativity no yeah i do i do and i i think um you know my experiences uh, are um uh, from a couple of years ago so i i lived in in the states in new york for 10 years and then moved to tokyo for 10 years and then came back and i'm here for five years and since then uh the big trend is globalization right so you can't really i mean this is a, a luxury or it's maybe a uh um an exercise to talk about these cultures but the truth is wherever you go you find certain mixtures and you can even you know you can can look out for people that have a different ex set of experience and that's definitely true in in most major city in the world now so it's not as clear cut anymore as it used to be and that's probably a good thing um in general because that means everybody uh, gets a, a bit more exposure to to look at things from different points of view I have been living, I'm, I'm from Finland, I've been living here a little bit over three years, and yeah. what I noticed now is because of this coronavirus, a clear change was happened, and now you actually are expected to pay contactless, and you are expected to pay not with cash, which was like uh, last, uh, half a year ago, it was like uh, totally the opposite, and that's, I mean, sort of the change was forced because of this new situation, and, and, and uh, here people just adapted to it. Yeah, which I, I which I was surprised about, and 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 I agree. But I would say then that's a bit of the the nature that we have very in as a nation and as a, as a country we have trust in government compared to other you know uh, to other countries. And I think it's it's more that if we get the directions and the rules, we are more likely to follow than definitely in the United States or or other countries where people are more critical and more questioning the motives of their governments. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it. So uh, after your talk, uh, did you get any feedback from the audience? Oh my God, this is so long ago. Um, I, I do remember that there was quite a long set of questions and and then, uh, you know, just me <laughs> I'm telling a little bit more about my experiences. And I can tell you that I was a little bit nervous because there was a Japanese lady in the audience and I was talking quite a bit about my experience in Japan. And it's always as a foreigner talking about another country, um, you're always worried, you know, to offend um, 
uh, somebody. So I, I remember uh, myself talking. There was somebody who invited me to another talk then. And I think it was because you just talked about this. I think I did mention small talk as an example. And then I gave a talk on small talk on my experiences of different, you know, different um, ways of using the small talk in another setting, um, which was quite funny because um, there were a lot of, it was here in Munich and a lot of uh, people from abroad who were there. <laughs> like, yeah, we are missing small talk. This is, this is really tough here as a foreigner. <laughs> and so, um, so I think I got a lot of uh, uh, people agreeing with me there. Let's talk a little bit about your background and, and your story. You already mentioned that you lived uh, a decade in the States and a decade in Japan. But you also studied in states in in New York. How yes. how did you end up studying there? Well, actually, um, so I grew up uh, uh, in in Munich in Germany, and I, I went to New York to go to Parsons School of Design, which is a, a design school in Manhattan, and I studied product uh, in design uh, there um, with a bachelor degree, and I worked um, at Smart Design, which is a, a local design consultancy in New York, uh, for a couple of years. So I was altogether. Um, 10 years there uh, and being a designer and, and working in design. But the interesting aspect and what makes this relevant for my job today is that um, in the East Coast, specifically New York, is not known for, um, for much production or manufacturing. So um, me studying industrial design or product design um, basically meant that you are more, you develop more into this idea of the, uh, uh, this person uh, that is the idea giver the innovation um you know somebody who who um were, uh, was in charge of innovation processes and such and not so much that physical product design so my background always was more on this innovation side <clears throat> and not so much on the on the on the product design side and that was just the time when this whole concept of design thinking um and and uh, you know human centered design came out of um of uh, mainly of california ido and stanford and such so um so I, that's what i've been doing in the states is, is basically working for all kinds of different companies um on the innovation side and, and helping them uh, develop new ideas business models concepts and so on and after the uh, your years in asia and japan you came back to München, the yeah. sort of a triangle to the starting point and and you have a company here what do you do um, so now I do exactly what I just uh, talked about. I started my own company here in Munich, uh, the Deep Bench, and we are um, an innovating uh, innovation consultancy, and we basically help our customers innovate um, at the interse intersection of product and brand. So what I've been learning more and more, and what I was always passionate about in my career is that you cannot look at bro product and brand separated because one influences the other. And if, if you are uh, a company and you have an offering uh, a certain product, then it's very important who it's coming from, who you are, what you stand for. So you have to know, if you think about the next generation of that product, you have to know what the brand stands for and, and, uh, and the other way around. So um, um, my business partner here, who is a brand strategist and, and myself, we basically tackle um, the challenges always with both perspectives in mind. What would you say is the biggest challenge right now on your field? Well, I think the biggest challenge still is that people do not look at it as a um, uh, in a, a holistic point from a holistic point of view. That 
people um, get very quick, very deep into the detail, but don't understand that, you know, um, you, you have to look at things from a holistic point of view. Uh, what about how do you keep yourself up to date? How do you learn so that uh, you are not left behind on, on, on your field? Um, that's a very good question. I think we are lucky because we have um, an extremely diverse set of clients and therefore projects. So you learn in one project and can bring that knowledge into the other uh, project. So you keep yourself up to date by working and and you know and, and keeping your ears open also we are here um we are uh, um work a lot with um outside experts so we are basically a core team here in munich which uh brings in the experts that we need because obviously you know there's a lot of different products out there a lot of different companies uh and um so if we need an industry expert a certain expert on a certain um design uh professional so on then we bring them in and work with them together which gives us always um, the opportunity to study and learn um, through that collaboration. Okay, and then uh, before our final question, uh, still, how can our listeners to get in touch with you if, if they find it interesting or want to like know more? Um, well, they can always send an email to hello at thedeepbench.com, uh, the deep bench in one word, and we are happy for every feedback, every comment every suggestion or just a hello and um you know uh the the wish to meet up so we're happy to 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 get any feedback and then our final question which is what does creativity mean to you um well creativity i think in general means to connect things that other things don't believe to be able to be connected So to make connections in, in areas where people do not connect is, is the one part of creativity. And the second part is very much to this topic that we talked about is to know uh, or to, to challenge things that other people don't think are even open for being challenged, right? To, to have an awareness that certain things are just because their habits or traditions or whatever uh, still uh, could be done in a different way. And I think that's always when you, when you see Uh, successful new products um there's always a part where you say like wow why didn't i think of that or why didn't somebody else think of that and mostly the answer to that is because people thought the way it was done before is the only way to do it and so to have this awareness of being uh, challenging the status quo is, is a very big part of creativity our thanks to philip and everyone at the creative mornings munich team this episode was produced and edited by me mark lindgren at huima production Our music was made by Sasha Ende. The additional sound was made by Winnie the Moog. You have been listening to the Pretzel, the Creative Mornings Munich podcast. Send us feedback by email to feedback at thepretzelpodcast.com. To find the show notes for this episode or to get new episodes right to your phone and your ears, visit thepretzelpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>